Welcome to In It Together. I'm your host, Freddie Blooms. This is a podcast where we talk about life lessons happening in real time when people are still in the wild muck of it all. Our guest today actually originated that phrase, the wild muck of it all. Today's guest is my friend Imogen Pink. Imogen Pink is a mom and a student. She spends a lot of her time watching scary movies, listening to podcasts, and repeating the practices that bring her joy. She's committed to disrupting carceral mental health systems and paradigms. I really cherish the conversation I had with Imogen. She talks a lot about embodying her dignity and becoming Coming a numb, particularly as a trans woman. And this conversation was really appropriate for me. The night after we recorded this was the night of the violence at Club Q, the queer club in Colorado Springs where a shooter killed five queer and trans people. I'm normally pretty numbed out too everything in the news and all the violence that's happening. I did organizing and advocacy with incarcerated trans folks for many years and I think because of my constant secondhand exposure to just the most brutal of violence, I kind of turned off my feelings from it. Understandably, right? The fact that we had this conversation and these shootings happened the next night really felt like an opportunity for me to like try and connect with my actual feelings and also with the experience of collective grief. So the next day also was Trans Day of Remembrance. I haven't gone to any events for that for years. Again, kind of being like, yeah, I know it's violent. I get it. And I don't want to think about it anymore. You know, I can't really take it in. But I did go to this event. It felt important to be with community. And I was able to meet up with Imogen and her child. It was just a real gift to be able to witness her living out these principles I'd just gotten to hear her speak about and help me tune into my own desires to embody my dignity and to show up for myself and others and just be present even when things are painful and difficult. I hope you appreciate this conversation with Imogen as much as I did. Let's get into it. Hi, Imogen. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on this podcast. My pleasure. Yeah, happy to be here. So Imogen... As you know, the question I'm here to ask you is, what are you in the process of learning? Yeah, yeah. I was just like trying to figure this question out with um, with my girlfriend and with my son. And we were talking about, well, my son said, you're in grad school. I was like, yeah, that's true. I'm in grad school. So there's like a lot of learning happening there. And then I think that the other pieces were like more around stepping into dignity and boundaries and balance. And those are a little bit more abstract, but they all are at play in school and work and family. Yeah. I mean, admittedly, I'm quite drawn to the, to the abstract ones as you're describing them. And I'm wondering if that's a direction you feel good about going in. Yeah, of course. So can you talk a little bit more about that process of coming into dignity and working on boundaries? Yeah. Um, Yeah, 100%. I am going to get a little bit concrete with it. I got to participate in um, a generative somatics training around a year ago, and there was a lot of dignity work involved in that training. and. Um, That was also around the time I started HRT. HRT being for, standing for hormone replacement therapy. 
And I think I've really been able to feel a lot more deeply into a part of me that's been numb for a long time. And that part is really enmeshed um, with dignity. And so it's looked like getting curious around where my boundaries are, um, what I want to share and give to others, how I'm like willing to show up in spaces where folks might not be showing up in the same way. If I'm in a room full of people who don't have experience around like my experience, what do I share with them? And how do I stay in dignity while I do that? And how do I make sure that like the people I love are also being like in their dignity and that, I don't know, it's, it's so, it's so hard to raise a child because childhood is a, um, I think a really like undignified time or a time when dignity is stripped from you Hmm. and making sure that like my son's dignity is intact too, because we are, we are very connected. Yeah. So you talked about uh, generative somatics training. You were in that kind of started your wheels turning about these ideas. I'm sure it wasn't the first time, but do you want to share a little bit more about what that was like and and how that came up for you? Uh, yeah, well, I think the, the part that interests me around the generative somatics, like practice of centering and feeling into our length, which is like connected to dignity, in our width, which is connected to like connection. And in this training, like depth was also like around our commitments. Um, and I was really interested in connection and commitments. And I was like, this dignity stuff seems superfluous, hmm. a little boring. I don't know if I'm like, what is that? It's actually become so dear to me when I do that practice now. Um, the part that I maybe spend the most time in or the give the most attention to is like spending time, like going up my body, doing this like body scanning activity and really connecting to the way my like posture sits and also like the way I'm held by the world. My experience has been like that the natural world holds me with dignity so consistently and that I've been able to like craft spaces and that my body has been able to like work with so many spaces to be like held by them. I'm sitting right now in this like little chair thing and my body's like working with the chair to like maintain my dignity. Um, But outside of that, there's so much hostility to, to dignity Mm -hmm. and ways in which our needs are encroached upon. Um, So, exploring that while also balancing it has been something I'm pretty interested in. Um, Balancing it against like needs, like the needs of a system or an organization or like my need to like make money or survive. It's real. It's universal. Um, I'm really interested in hearing about, you know, you said you initially had this resistance or ambivalence to the dignity component and the way you're describing it, it's clear that it's something you're embodying and practicing. You speak about it with just a lot of presence and kind of precision. So I'm curious if you have a read on like what your initial resistance was about and how that kind of transformation happened. 
Um, I think like living three decades in a way that never felt dignified and where my own my own freedom of expression was was unavailable to me and creativity was punished like creativity is an element of dignity i think the 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 way we can test and play and try stuff out that's like connected to dignity for me so my read is that that part of me was like so numb that that part of me was so disconnected because it had to be mm. to survive. Damn. <laughs> You're like moving me for sure. Because it's true that we don't know what parts of us are asleep until, until they start to wake up, whether that's something that like can emerge kind of gently or something that can be a little like a little bit like a slap in the face. Yeah, for sure. Both in this case for me, mm. or like maybe also like a, um, like kisses on my face and also slaps which can evoke a variety of responses well i'm curious also you you started talking about how parenting is difficult i'm sure for many reasons but in this case because childhood as you're putting it like is it undignified and i wonder if you can talk more about yeah the balance you're trying to strike in that and what you're observing and practicing yeah, I don't have my son's consent to talk about like his details. So I guess what I can share is just that it's really um, challenging to be a kid in the world. I experienced it being challenging. One thing that irks me a little bit is when folks our age or older suggest that like kids have it so much different and better and mm. oh, like kids these days are, are so accepting of one another. Hmm. And I don't think anything has actually necessarily changed in a meaningful way. And, and he still experiences levels of violence that are really difficult to watch. And I'm really powerless. And he's really powerless. He's like even more powerless. And when he pushes back, systems punish him. My advocacy only goes so far. Um, yeah, I think we started off talking a little bit about like the things we have control over. Um, maybe before you pressed record, but yeah, I there's a lot of like having to like having to do this like pause. Like I don't have power and control over this thing right now. Um, what do we need to do? to like meet the needs of this moment and then how do we learn what changes need to happen in the world because i don't want to go into that like numb space or i don't want him to have to go into that numb space to survive and then not be able to not be able to come out of it and say this is the change that needs to occur and here's how i can be a part of that your son is really lucky to have a parent who's not only so thoughtful and you and your own process of transformation and inquiry, but also it seems like so clearly seeing his wholeness and supporting him in it. Yeah. Well, he said, you're learning how to be a good mom. Right. And I was like, already there, buddy. <laughs> but he's right. He was also like, that's not very growth mindset of you. Like, <laughs> I don't know how to feel about that, but yeah, 
Yeah, I'm learning. He's learning. I'm definitely learning a lot from him. Yeah, I feel like I know I want to interview him sometime. <laughs> oh, well, he would probably be eager. He loves he loves the spotlight. Cool. We'll check in. Um, yeah, can you speak a little more about, and I know we're kind of talking about an amorphous thing. I mean, this is a huge concept, but can you speak a little more about some of the challenges or difficulties you're facing in this learning process? Yeah. Okay. I associate dignity... For me, dignity has a lot to do with being present with myself and my needs and meeting them and having them met by my community. And what I notice is dignity isn't working 40 hours a week. um, And it's certainly not like staring at a screen for as long as I have to stare at a screen each day, even though I don't really have a desk job. I feel my dignity like in my bladder at work a lot. Um, Like, oh, I have to pee. And I'm like supposed to be supervising someone or a group of people and so I can't so like my bladder and I think about like the way that changes my relationship to drinking water which is also a practice of dignity (laughs) um and then yeah like with school you know I'm attending a, a university that prides itself on social justice And I wonder about that when we're staying up until 10 p.m. um, some nights working in class and then folks are driving home. And I'm like, oh, dignity is also about being in bed. Um, It's about having a a solid and stable sleep schedule. It's about paying attention to when your body is ready to rest. So the balance of that feels very out of whack for me Mm. and very, yeah, just just not being prioritized by institutions or I think by so many people. I wonder how many of us are are really numbing to that dignity. And, and I think it is a survival strategy and I still do it sometimes like by not drinking water or not resting when I need to. Of course. I mean, part of what's coming up for me as you're describing these moments, like the holding your pee when you need to pee is like, oh my God, bringing the awareness to the needs that aren't being met and to the needs that I'm not expressing um, for a variety of reasons. Like, it's kind of agonizing sometimes to actually witness ourselves, ourselves, especially in the context of the world, that, like, is it really set up to meet most people's needs? And it makes me understand why I and why people often will kind of turn it off because that's really painful reality to confront. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the balances there for me has been like rage and grief. Rage has been like a little bit more accessible for me historically. And yeah, I can feel so frustrated and angry and sad. And I'm curious how those can be tools too, Mm -hmm. how they can help me process and work and play with dignity Mm. so these difficulties only make it more obvious like you're doing this for a reason there's something that's driving you so i'm curious what you're finding rewarding in this process of what it sounds like is also like more fully embodying yourself yeah yeah i mean that part is is so rewarding i think the reward the rewards have a lot to do with exploring those possibilities exploring the possibility of what like dignified life can be 
and the rewards I hope are also like rippling rewards. I think that they're they're community oriented rewards, and that if I can like help make sure that I have space to like be in touch with my bladder, then that also supports other people potentially in having that space to be in touch with their bladders. I'm like wanting and encouraging folks to be like aware of how their bodies are feeling through my own embodiment practices. And I think that as an example of somebody who's engaging with dignity, as a trans woman who's engaging with dignity, I think it's really important for the kids I work with to see that, for my son to see that, and even for even for like the cis people out there to see that. Because I, I don't know if trans dignity is something that's witnessed and I'm curious if and how that shifts people's perceptions of themselves and what we are worthy of. Yeah. I don't know. The rewards feel a little bit hard for me to grasp onto. Well, it sounds like you're very much in process. And like you're saying, there's some scenarios where you, you have to turn it off. And like, you know, I'm sure sometimes you go pee and a lot of times you don't. I mean, but I always say as a trans person, why go pee when you can hold it? <laughs> Sorry, it's a bathroom joke, but we can I like cut that. <laughs> I, I'm also noticing, I mean, when you talk about this, I, I believe that you're right, that like your own embodiment does, is witnessed and will influence others even subconsciously. But it's also putting a lot of pressure on, on you just to be existing in the world with kind of like the hope that your existence like positively influences people who are struggling or maybe ignorant in some way. And um, yeah, I, I'm hoping that there's something in there that's really, really just for you too. Yeah. Well, totally. I mean, I think that being in touch with my dignity has also been like life-saving, a life-saving intervention for me. When I think about that, yeah, making sure I'm tending to myself, making sure that others who are responsible are, are also tending to me or tending to our space or tending to our groups. That feels really important. And I don't, I wouldn't like go back to a numbed state, like a, a fully numbed state or a state where I'm like numbing 98% of the time. Yeah. That doesn't, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't feel like anything, but it also like feels bad. Yeah. I mean, it seems like even if, you're having trouble articulating the rewards of what you're in that you seem very clear that this is where you need to be in the yeah thank you I think I think you're right that it's not necessarily like for me at least a verbalizable reward at this moment it's it's much more embodied totally um hate to say this as it's a word that's frequently like applied to trans people against our consent, but it seems like you're becoming like a more authentic version of yourself in this like exploration of deeper dignity. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mind that word. Um, yeah. Let's see. I would say the authenticity is really important to me because there, there was so much like masking happening prior to my late twenties. Mm. Um, so much so that I didn't even realize it and, and realization and process and liberation um, have been really beautiful for me. I'm so glad to hear that and, and witness you in it. Um, 
And I'm hoping you can talk a little bit more about resources that have been helpful to you in this process. I know you talked about, you know, the generative somatic workshop, and I'm wondering what else there is that's been supporting you. Well, listening to like Prentice Hemphill's podcast has been a resource for me. There's definitely like people I'm in community with who it feels really good to hear other people's experiences and um, really helpful to see variations on my own experience. I'm not like a universal person and there's so many ways people are doing similar things to me in very different ways. Um, and that's really beautiful to witness. And yeah, I think for such a long time, anytime I wondered about uh, uh, a process of self-actualization, whether that be like around gender or around like what I want to do with my life or around like who I want to be to others, I... I would get stuck with like, well, what what would this look like? And I would have like a very clear picture of what it could look like. Um, but I love possibility. It's helpful to witness possibility from like community. And even people who are doing things very different for me are also like showing up for me in ways that are maybe more similar um, to what I want to be doing. When you say people have been showing up in ways that are more similar to how you want to show up, what do you mean? How do you want to show up? I've seen people really like recognize my dignity. Um, and I think, I think what they're seeing is like a reflection of their own. I don't think people are showing up for my dignity because they're not in touch with their own. And people are showing up for me hmm. in a lot of really meaningful ways. Um, people are have been like taking care of me um, there have been times when folks have like made me food or um, helped out with like my son or um, like talked to me on the phone when I needed support. People have been showing up for me in, in a lot of different ways and offering um, a lot of different possibilities. And a lot of them are material, which I really love. Um, there's also like money. People have been showing up with money sometimes. I'm so into that. Um, yeah, I, I want to show up that way. I want to show up to people with like material resources and food and money. And I want to take care of folks, kids and animals. And, um, I want to take care of people and have those like reciprocal relationships. Yeah. I see you showing up in those ways. So I'm really glad that you're feeling the reciprocity that you deserve how do you imagine yourself on the other side of this process when you are embodying this dignity in, in a more full extent? Yeah, I don't think, well, I don't think this process ends. I hope that I continue to find dignity in spots that I hadn't found it before for my whole life. And I hope that that process, that during that process, I hope it becomes clear in my posture I hope it becomes clear in my presentation, the way I dress, not necessarily being like professional and even the posture, not necessarily being like upright, but rather like comfortable and euphoric 
and beautiful, if it's connected to length, then yeah, I think about like the dignity of like my feet hitting the ground and the dignity of my like the way I sit. And I hope that I can continue to get better at recognizing the way accommodations are showing up in spaces and the way that's impacting dignity and making sure that like any space that I have a part in creating is making room for the dignity of everyone in that space. I learned so much from myself around what that needs to look like. And that doesn't mean that I, I know everything. So I'd love to like continue to learn about where we can make changes and change spaces and change time and make room for everyone who comes into a space. It's really beautiful to hear you articulate the things that you want for yourself and the things that you're doing to make it possible. Like I said, it's it's so clear from how you're talking and how you're uh, showing up that this is a journey you're very much inside of and taking ownership over. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I am. I feel the journey every morning and every night. Totally. Um, is there more that's that you that's kind of come up for you in the course of this conversation or more you want to speak on on this topic? What I think of is just that. Yeah, I don't I don't think we explicitly said it, but dignity is such a revolutionary practice. It's a practice that really calls me at least, towards revolution um, and world-changing and abolition. That feels important to maybe explicitly name. Do you feel like you can elaborate on that at all? Well, I think you said it. The world is not constructed for us to be able to engage with our dignity. And why not? Because dignity is not something we can necessarily make money off of or, or like capitalism can engage in like mm. profiteering off of. So if we're going to change the world into a system that's more aligned with making sure folks are able to engage with their dignity, it has to look a lot different. So even as I balance like my own like personal dignity with the, the needs that I need to meet in order to survive, the survival needs and the dignity, um, like, okay, well, how do we change those survival needs? Dignity calls me to, to be a part of something and, uh, and organizations and groups. Um, that want to challenge that, um, that want to challenge that paradigm of, of survival needs being things that are like inversely related to our dignity, if that makes sense. Right. Well, and it's also, it is spirit survival, right? Like you said, like so much of you is like turned off for so long and that's surviving but yeah that's it yeah yeah keeping our bodies alive what did i just hear keeping our bodies alive is different than like making a world worth living in something like that mm. feels true um well i do hope that if anyone listening to this takes anything from it it's just the starting with the practice to when you need to go pee go pee that's that's gonna be the start to uprooting capitalism. And I know it sounds like I'm being cheeky and I am being a little bit cheeky, but I, I agree with you. I think that it is really important to just tune into how we are and, you know, act accordingly. Yeah, 100%. A general urine strike 
where workers pee when they need to. How like how much would that change the world so much? I mean, one piss at a time, right? No, all the piss at once, Freddie. That's the point. We can't just do it as one peer. (laughs) We're in it together, right? Yes. Thank you so much, Imogen, for this conversation. I really appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah, it was a pleasure to be on your podcast. Thanks for listening to In It Together. I'm your host, Freddie Blooms. It's hard to live, laugh, and love. We weren't meant to do this shit alone. May you go out into the wild muck and know we are in it together. Till next time. And just like that, you're heavy with the memory flash of all you lost and all that's left to lose. She'll find you though it happens fast, it happens slower. Round we go, that's just